Hey folks, this podcast goes beyond the saddle as we explore professional careers across the equine industry. I'm your host, Katie Kleinbell. Let's tack up and head out. Dr. James Latimer is the equine nutritionist for ADM Animal Nutrition. Dr. Latimer is also on faculty at Kansas State University, where he conducts equine nutrition research. His areas of specialty include digestive physiology and the gut microbiome. You can find Dr. Latimer's published research in the Journal of American Science and the Journal of Equine Veterinary Science. Thanks to ADM Animal Nutrition for sponsoring this episode of Beyond the Saddle. Check out their Forage First equine nutrition program at admequine.com. With me today, I have Dr. James Latimer. So thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today. We are looking forward to getting to know you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Can you give us a synopsis of what your job is and what you do? Um, I really have, uh, I, I guess, two jobs. Um, my, my primary position is I'm an assistant professor uh, in the animal science department at Kansas State University. Uh, in uh, equine nutrition. And so involved in that is my appointment is teaching research appointment. And so, uh, of course, I'm responsible for teaching undergraduate and graduate level courses in nutrition. Um, and then I conduct a handful of clinical nutrition studies uh, each year. I usually have two to three graduate students uh, working in my lab. Uh, helping me uh, conduct research, and they'd be working on their master's or, or their doctorate. And then uh, the, the university allows us to uh, uh, consult outside um, a portion of our time. And so that is my other job as, a, as an independent consultant. And right now, all of my uh, consulting efforts, all of my time uh, goes towards uh, ADM Animal Nutrition and being their uh, equine nutritionist. So this is um, kind of a world that is very foreign to me. So I'm looking forward to picking your brain a little. I hope that's okay. <laughs> I'd love to know, so what does your lab look like? And what does time in your lab look like? Well, it, it depends on what's going on. Uh, we, we conduct uh, a variety uh, of studies every, every year. Almost all of them revolve around digestive physiology uh, in my lab. That's, that's what I guess my specialty is and where I focus. I don't do any exercise physiology work. I don't do any growing horse work. It's all, uh, it's all around the digestive physiology. Uh, right now we're doing a lot of work uh, around the gut microbiome. So, so we know that the, that the microflora inside the gut um, is its own ecosystem. It, it's critical to the horse. You know, a horse can get 70% of his energy from fermentation, uh, the energy of fermentation. And, and of course, that's due to that microbiome. And so keeping a healthy microbiome is critical. It's new, it's novel. Uh, we're, we're still learning every day um, about all the new bacteria um, that are back there. And so that's, that's what we focus pretty much all of our time on. And so, you know, of course, in a study, we, we would have a feeding period and and in that feeding period, you know, we're, we're applying uh, our treatments. They're all some type of dietary treatment. It, it may be something, uh, a recent study we, we looked at is uh, the effect of forage type on the microbiome. So we fed a grass hay and an alfalfa, 
and looked at how that affected the microbiome, and it and it created uh, significant alterations uh, in the gut microbiome, and and that's going to be published here um, pretty soon. We we do uh, probiotic work, so looking at direct-fed microbials. How do these um, uh, beneficial bacteria, when we put them in a diet, affect um, fermentation, affect, affect digestive physiology? Uh, we'll, we'll look at just uh, uh, different ingredients. Uh, last year, we published a study on, on fat sources, looking at the differences in fat digestibility among a couple different sources. And so that's really where all of my work revolves around. Very cool. Very interesting. How many different studies, um, per se, would you do in, say, a year or a semester on average? Oh, I would say we're doing two to four studies per year. Wow. And, and that fluctuates uh, quite a bit, depending on when new graduate students come in, whether we're in a, in a writing phase. So right now, we don't have any studies going on because we're working up writing up all of the studies that, that we just completed. And so we are, we're in the midst of writing the reports, writing the studies, and then submitting them to journals so they can be published. We're not doing any studies obviously right now because of COVID-19, but once that breaks, we'll certainly start some studies, um, hopefully this summer, um, some new ones that we have ideas about. And we do studies internally, um, things that, that we have questions about uh, that we'll fund uh, internally. And then, of course, we'll conduct research for uh, companies that are interested in uh, looking quantitatively at, at their product, at their product, at their ingredient, at their probiotic, whatever it might be. I'm glad you brought up the outbreak, right, our pandemic we're going through right now. What kind of effect have you seen, has that had on you and your, your work at the university and otherwise? We're lucky in that we don't have anything going on significantly right now. It, uh, I'm considered essential. My graduate students are considered essential because we still have to, uh, you know, we have horses to take care of and we have a farm unit manager. And of course, she's essential and, and the employees at the unit are essential because you know, we have horses to take care of every day. And so even though they're not on study, uh, we have a herd of research horses that still must be fed and cared for every day. Sure. In the lab, uh, we had to quantify our lab as either a mission critical lab or uh, it would go into what we call hibernation, where there would be no research conducted. Wow. And so right now we're in a hibernation state uh, where we're not doing any type of lab work. Uh, everything we're doing right now is writing. We did just get some data sent over to us. We we collaborated with the vet school. We try to collaborate with the vet school if we can, and and they just finished some some laboratory analysis for us, and and they were a mission critical lab, and so they were still able to get us that data. But uh, it, it things for are definitely different now, and and there's unique steps, and we would not start a new project now until, you know, we're certain that, that this is over and we can go back to business as usual. For sure. Well, it sounds like some good teamwork and collaboration going on there. So good for you guys. So I wanted to ask you, what's a common myth that people might have about being an equine nutritionist and can you bust it? I think there are, the, there are several that come to mind. And so when, when we think of a, at least to me, when you say equine nutritionist, that's that's someone who has a, a doctorate in, in equine nutrition. Of course, that's different 
um, than someone maybe who just focused on uh, equine nutrition as an undergraduate because we go into so much more depth. I like to use the term in, in, in undergraduate, we essentially tell the students what, what they should know. And then graduate school is a shift into what do you think? Is this true or is this false? And and how would we get a better understanding of this? How would we answer these questions? It's it's much more analytical. It's a much deeper level of thinking. I'll give you an example. Uh, we recently conducted a study looking at essentially how much corn or starch a horse could consume each day before we have some deleterious effects on the gut. In general, across the equine industry, um, it's, uh, there's a lot of views that, that corn shouldn't be fed to horses, uh, that corn is not digestible. But in fact, in our data, and these were full-size horses, but these horses were consuming 20 to over 30 pounds of corn per day. That's an insane amount of corn, yeah. um, and it's not practical, but it goes to show that it, it is possible, and, and corn is digestible, and it's not necessarily a scary thing um, when we manage it, you know, when we manage it right. We wouldn't come close to fe even feeding 20 pounds of corn today. We, we wouldn't even feed 10, um, but horses do, if we handle it right, have the ability to do so, and so it's important for equine nutritionists to be unbiased. It's important to look at data and not look at hearsay. There's a lot of hearsay. You know, Dr. Google has a lot of information. <laughs> Unfortunately, Dr. Google doesn't have a lot of correct information. It's not a lot of scientific information. We, we need to be unbiased and, and we need to look at the science and, and not our beliefs, I guess is what I'm trying to say. There's no room for biases uh, as a scientist. Absolutely. Makes sense. And that's a great example. <laughs> Is there a common myth that people might have about being a professor? So teaching, and can we bust that? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, the one that is probably we hear a lot is uh, those who can't teach. And while that's probably true, uh, some of the times I, I know that in animal agriculture, uh, in an animal science department such here as, as K-State, many of us have uh, businesses outside of the university, maybe that be consulting. Uh, many of us are consultants. And so we're in the industry. Uh, we're not just teaching uh, the ideas. We're, we're practicing the ideas as a consultant. Uh, many of us also have uh, uh, farms or ranches, uh, animals, livestock that, that we own. And so we're practicing what we preach in class uh, on, on our own operations. And so that's probably more unique to animal agriculture and animal science than, than maybe to uh, uh, other departments. But uh, that, that one always kind of got to me, those who can't teach. Um, and I certainly, in my case, make sure that that's not true by, by staying grounded in, in you know, practical uh, animal agriculture uh, in, in, in the industry as a consultant. Because uh, we can easily get lost in the four walls of academia and lose touch with what's going on out in the industry. And then we're not very good as an instructor as teaching students who are going to go out in the industry if we don't know what's going on in the industry. So true. I love that. And reasons that uh, the education you get maybe in those agricultural colleges, right, no matter which path of study, is maybe a little more grounded. And I'm all about that. You bet. I want to know more about you. What led you here? So what was your journey um, kind of from education to now? So how did you get to where you are? 
Well, that's a good question. Uh, I was an undergraduate. I was an animal science student. I, I wasn't entirely sure on what I wanted to do when I, when I first started that. Didn't know that I really liked nutrition when I, when I first started uh, my undergraduate career. And, and really, it wasn't, I was, you know, always into to horses and to livestock, of course. But, you know, when I was a freshman, I didn't know I wanted to be an equine nutritionist. I, I didn't really know that probably as a junior. But between my junior and my senior year, I did an internship. And so as a senior, I'm like, well, what is this what I want to do? And wasn't 100%, but I thought, well, I'm going to go to do, do a master's in equine nutrition because I enjoyed my my internship so much. And so that's what I did. I went to Oklahoma State and I did a, a master's in equine nutrition there. And when I was done, at that point, I wasn't maybe ready for a PhD or I didn't know that I wanted a PhD at that time. And so I went and I taught for five years at the junior college level in uh, equine nutrition and animal science. And after about four years, I really started having a change. Like, I, you know, I don't think this is where I want to be. I, I, uh, I want to further my knowledge. I'm really interested now uh, in, in research and getting new answers. And I had so many questions. And so I chose to go back and, and do a PhD at that time. Well, did a PhD. Um, and when I was close to graduating, I, I wanted to go to the industry because I had only been in academia. And so I wanted to see what the industry was like. And so I went to industry, uh, was a nutritionist uh, uh, for Nestle Purina for several years, and then had an opportunity to come back here to my alma mater uh, and, and be a professor. And so I jumped on that uh, pretty quickly. And, and that's how I'm here now. What was the connection then to work with ADM? It's kind of a long story, but uh, <laughs> when I was looking and, and applying for jobs as a PhD student, um, I had applied for equine nutritionist position at ADM. And they decided at that time that um, they, they weren't, uh, after the interview, they decided, well, we're not going to fill this position. We're, uh, we're just going to keep our nutritionist that retired on as a consultant. And I said, okay, yeah, yeah sure. And so then I went to Purina. Mm-hmm. And then several years went by, and, and I got a call again saying, hey, we're going to fill this equine nutritionist position. I, I was too new at Purina at that time to leave, didn't want to bounce around too much, and so uh, declined that. But when I came here, I immediately got on the horn and I said, hey, I have the opportunity to be a consultant for you. I, you know, we have this history, and, and, and so we made it happen. That's awesome. Well, what's it like working with them? Over at ADM, it's great. Um, you know, they're they're not a huge uh, company, I guess, in the equine sector. It's something like you know, a, a Purina or, or a Cargill would be, but in, in my opinion, that's a good thing. And so, uh, you know, if you were to have a question on an equine product or you know, feeding directions or, or something's not working out for you, um, you're going to talk to me directly. I, I make sure I have that kind of time. So that, that may or may not happen with a larger company where you're going to get one-on-one contact and from a PhD equine nutritionist. Yeah. Um, we make sure that, uh, you know, we'll, when we're formulating products, we're always asking the question, why? Why, why are we using this? Why are we not using this? You know, uh, we're, we're very selective in the ingredients that we use. I'll give you an example. There, there are ingredients that should be avoided due to their low digestibility, uh, something as such as rice holes or, or peanut holes. Um, they're cheap, uh, and they'll make a, a, a 
the price per bag go down, but the digestibility is really low and the energy value that, that the horse would get out of it is very low. And so we'll never use those. We don't use those uh, uh, types of ingredients where we're going to spend a little extra money and, and pay for something like soy holes that has a, a high digestibility. Um, it, it's, its energy content is actually the same, if not a little bit higher than, than grass hay. And so we think it's important to spend that little extra money on, on good quality ingredients to, to make sure that the final product is, is digestible and the horses are going to look great on it. Well, that sure speaks volumes to the kind of products that ADM is putting out. I'm curious, and you don't have to have an answer, but do you have a favorite line from ADM or a specific type of feed that you think is the best? Uh, I do have a favorite, yeah. Now, I, I come from... Uh, a performance horse background uh, used to, to team rope and, and calf rope. And so I, I really like our, our Patriot quick performance. It's a performance feed, 14% crude protein with elevated fat. It's got 10% fat in it. And so it, it's got the energy in there for these performance horses. That extra fat really makes them slick and bloom. The hair coat looks great. It's not an excessive energy where you know quote unquote will make them hot but but a horse sure isn't going to hit a wall uh, and fall apart on us either and so yeah patriot crook performances would be my favorite feed there you go folks straight from adm's equine nutritionist patriot <laughs> performance that's what you got <laughs> Well, switching back to talking about um, working for the university, so I wanted wondered if you could talk about the importance of just staying involved and engaged with campus life. Your coursework is only a portion of, of your college experience, and the other things you do outside of, of, of class is, is just as important as what you do in the classroom. I can tell you for sure, sitting across the table hiring students when I uh, you know, was in the industry, is we would gladly sacrifice a little GPA for a student that was actively involved outside of the classroom. My major professor for my PhD used to say, show me a 4.0 uh, graduate student and I'll show you someone who didn't spend enough time in the lab. Now, those, I, I have a PhD student, she's a 4.0 and, and she wouldn't like that. And in her case, <laughs> not true, she's, a tr she's tremendous. But um, it, to translate that to undergrad, so, um, maybe we, we focus so much on our GPA that we ignored student organizations uh, that we could have been an officer in. Uh, we ignored um, the ability to work part-time on one of our livestock units. We ignored the ability to be on a competition team such as the horse judging team. Uh, we ignored study abroad trips. Um, all those things that are, that are really important in, in developing a well-rounded student. Now, do you, are you a coach for the horse judging team? Is that right? Yes. Yes, I am. Good for you. That sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, I, I enjoy it. I judged on the horse judging team when I was an undergraduate here. I got to be an assistant coach when I went to Oklahoma State. Uh, I got to coach when I was a PhD student here. And then when I came back here, uh, I, I got to coach again. Uh, and so being on a judging team, regardless of what that is, uh, livestock, horse, wool, um, uh, meat, it doesn't matter. Uh, they offer students a lot of opportunities that, that may not otherwise uh, be available. The students' public speaking skills are superior, typically, to students that wouldn't engage in that. You know, we spend a lot of time working on our oral, oral reasons 
because uh, in a judging contest, we, we not only have to place the class right, but then the students have two minutes to orally defend their placings to the official. And that's really where contests are won and lost is, is in the reasons room. So we spend a lot of time on public speaking skills. How, uh, and so that translates into being uh, a great communicator when you're sitting across the table uh, looking for a job. Communication skills, I, I can't teach that in a lecture uh, hall of 150 students. I can certainly teach you communication skills on a judging team. And again, going back to hiring people when I was in industry, we turned away brilliant scientists because they couldn't communicate. They were very good at what they did, but, but there were communication gaps, and, and they weren't offered the position because of that. Well, that's full circle for you. Uh, you're coaching on the horse judging team. You're researching. You're busy in the lab. You know, you're working with your students. You're working with ADM. you got a lot going on. But I want to know what's next for you. What are you hoping to do or learn next? And what are you curious about now? Well, the what's right on the front burner for me is I, I go up for tenure this fall. And so I'm really hustling to get my uh, these last few papers submitted and, and published. Uh, and then I'll go up for tenure and they'll vote on me. And then I would become a tenured faculty or move from assistant professor to associate professor uh, next spring. So that's something that I'm really working on. From a research standpoint, you know, we always have ideas, things that we want to answer, but that just that takes money. And so sometimes we have to wait and, and get the money accumulated to be able to do the research that we want to do. Uh, we're doing some work or we're going to. Uh, keep doing some work here, uh, of course, for, for companies uh, looking at their ingredients or, or their products, as always. We're going to keep tracking on the microbiome uh, front for sure. Good for you. And uh, definitely best of luck on your road for tenure this fall and looking into next spring. That's an exciting time. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I have a feeling that you have some pretty good advice to offer to us. So if you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old or freshman college self, what would you say? Oh, man. Keep an open mind. Don't ignore opportunities uh, that uh, maybe don't quite fit uh, because those may lead you down a path that's going to be your, your passion and, and your career choice. We have a lot of students that, that start as, as a pre-vet student. Um, and then many will change tracks. They'll, they'll find another passion. I was one of those. Almost all of us as faculty were probably pre-vet or, or considered a, a veterinary career. But then we tagged into something else. And of course, I, I tagged into nutrition, uh, where someone else um, became really interested in reproductive physiology or really interested in genetics. Our, our path changes and, and, and we go down that path and, and now we have a brand new career that, that we love. And so keep an open mind. I, I don't expect, when I advise students, I don't expect them to know what they want to do as a freshman or a sophomore. I, I certainly didn't. Uh, they don't have the experiences yet. They need to get in those core classes and get an idea. Oh, I really like nutrition or, oh, I really like reproduction or whatever that might be. As a, as a freshman and a sophomore, and then as a junior, senior, we can take more intricate classes that delve into topics specific to their genre. Yeah, keep, keep an open mind. Don't worry. Make sure you take advantage of, of the opportunities outside of the classroom. You know, focus on your coursework, but 
but get on a judging team. Uh, work part-time at one of the livestock units. Uh, be a student officer in whatever it might be, block and bridle, ag ambassadors, horsemen's association. Be a member and then become president. Do all of those, all of those other things that make a well-rounded resume or a well-rounded student. I couldn't agree more. It's so funny when you when I look back now and I think about sitting in, you know, my freshman college like introduction course and you really have no idea of all the great things that are out there that you may find out that you love or you may find out that you hate. So that is great advice. Yep. You bet. I wanted to talk horses with you a little bit. It sounds like you were raised on the back of a horse a little and, you know, done some team roping, some calf roping. But I wondered if you have a most memorable moment with horses that you could share. I think that would probably be here uh, later in my career or recently, and not necessarily with a, a single horse, but it, but it would be with my judging teams. And so I've, I've been fortunate to, to have good students um, that were very competitive and, and, and we've won, you know, some world championship. Last year, we won the APHA, American Paint Horse Association World Championship Judging Contest, and we won the AQHA World Championship wow. Judging Contest. Oh my um, gosh. We were the first, we are the first and only so far, a four year university to, to win both of those world championships in a single year. And so that that was extremely memorable to be to accomplish a goal or to accomplish something that no other university judging team in the country has has done. And so I think that's probably the most memorable. And and it's because of the pride of the students and and helping them succeed. You know, we had a lot of downtime, Uh, you know, downtime, I mean, where they got beat down. Uh, We 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 won the APHA World Show. We went to Congress and, and they didn't win that contest and we're expecting to win. Um, they they kind of had a bad day. And so we came back and we were we were down. Um, their chins were down and, and we had to pick ourselves up, dust us off and get back to work. And then uh, because of that, because of their hard work, they, they came back then in November and, and they won the AQHA World Show. Uh, and so seeing students succeed there's much there's a significant amount of pride that I have in that. I I would much rather coach a world championship judging team than judge on a world championship judging team. That's the coolest. All right. Now, do you have any non-horse recommendations for us? So anything that's not horse related, uh, be it a book you've read, a podcast you listen to, a TV show you love, um, dessert that you like to eat, <laughs> just literally anything. <laughs> well, I don't I don't watch a ton of of TV and and I guess I would be more of a of a history guy. So I like the Discovery Channel and the Travel Channel and those things. And me and my oldest daughter, we we like to watch watch Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures um together. Um personally, my my favorite, I guess, sitcom or whatever you want to call it would be Parks and Recreation. Um it's it's the only one besides The Office that I've been able to watch completely through all all the episodes all seasons. In fact, I'm I started rewatching Parks and Rec for the fifth time. And so I really like it. Uh, Ron Swanson is my is my hero. I really like Ron Swanson <laughs> a lot. Um, uh, we sh- we share a lot in common. So um, I, I really like Parks and Rec <laughs> for whatever that's worth. <laughs> is that your your quarantine show of choice? <laughs> Absolutely. 
<laughs> I love it. My husband actually just started it here now while we're in quarantine too. So <laughs> there you have it. I hope he enjoys it. All right. Last thing I have for you is um, a little bit of a game. Uh, it's just called this or that. So I'm just going to read off rapid fire um, two choice questions and you just pick one. You don't have to have any reason for which one you choose. We'll just go through them. There's about a dozen of them. Okay. Okay. Pelleted or extruded feeds? Pelleted. Do you like complete feeds or would you prefer to feed with supplements? Uh, complete feeds. In your judging world, do you prefer to judge halter classes or showmanship? Uh, halter. When you travel, would you rather go by road trip or by airplane? Airplane. Me too. <laughs> and would you rather teach online or teach in person? In person. Would you rather assign an exam at the end of the semester or a big group project? Uh, an exam. Now this one's kind of mean, <laughs> but do you prefer teaching the undergrad classes or your graduate students? Yeah, that's a really mean one. <laughs> <laughs> I like them both equally. They, <laughs> they're, they're very point. different. You teach them very differently. All right, that's all I had. I won't be too mean to you, but just wanted to have a little fun and get to know you a little bit. So thank you so much for taking time to be on the podcast today and talk about working for ADM and as well as what it's like working at K-State. You bet. I appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to be here and uh, thanks for having me. Thanks again to our friends at ADM Animal Nutrition for making this episode possible. Thanks for riding along. Know someone that would be great to interview? Have questions you'd like answered on the podcast? Send me an email at beyondthesaddlepodcast at gmail.com or join the conversation on social media. You can connect with us and learn more about the Beyond the Saddle podcast by following us on Facebook and Instagram at at Beyond the Saddle Podcast. Find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Beyond the Saddle is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network.